0: It's the California Wine Country podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country. Today, our guests are Daryl Groom and his daughter, Kara Groom. Uh, Daryl, great to see you, man. It, it's been a, quite a while since
1: you've been in. It has been a while. I think the last time was a few years ago, talking about the Press Democrat North Coast Wine Competition. That's with right. Steve which Falk. You're, yeah, and you're involved with that. Yes. And, yeah, you were in with Steve Falk. That's you, right. I'm yeah. a partner in the competition, and it's going really, really strong. It, it is cool. Increasing in entries all the time. I know, and it, it, it's it's getting
0: almost to the point. I look at uh, the entries, and I think this is too many. No, it's never too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Steve, I know. It's never too many. <laughs> here comes Dan. I can see him in the window. <laughs> uh, so, Daryl, let's th- and and again, Cara. L- first, Daryl, uh, talk about uh, your uh, long history in the wine world, especially up here.
1: Yeah. So, people are probably told by my accent. Um, I started my wine career in Australia, where I was uh, born. Um, I always wanted. To be a winemaker, um, I was uh, interested in wine, passionate about wine, and uh, when I was 17, I went to um, Roseworthy Agricultural College, which was the winemaking school there. and then In um, Australia, yeah. yeah. In Australia, yeah. yeah, and sort of have never looked back. Um, I had a really lucky uh, time. I um, got a job as an assistant wine, white winemaker at a company called Kaiserstool, and about a year Say later, Kaiserstuhl. So uh, a lot of Australian wine regions were settled by Germans. So there was a lot of German right, okay. heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes um, sense. So uh, anyway, I was the assistant white winemaker at Kaiserstuhl, um, and then uh, the senior white winemaker left. So I got the job as the senior white winemaker after a year. And then the change in my life was we were next door Australia's most famous winery, Penfolds. And Penfolds purchased our winery. Right, and Penfolds were really strong in. They red purchased wine. a lot of stuff, didn't they? They did. They went on. We were the first acquisition, and then there was quite a few more after Aren't that. Aren't they in and, the
0: liquor business, or no? No, uh, no they were. They're sti- in the wine sticking with wine. Okay, okay. By Treasury okay. Wine Estate gotcha. with a lot
1: of great brands, but uh, when they purchased us, they were strong in red wines, but not in white wines. And I was uh, given the job as the senior white wine maker for Penfolds. Um, and about two years after that, they said, Groomy, which was my nickname in Australia, Groomy, you've done a great job making all the white wines. We'd like to make you the senior red wine maker. of wow. Penfolds. So I became, at 25 years of age, I was in charge of Australia's most famous wine, Penfolds Great. That's amazing. And so it's moved- for 1000 bucks a bottle. <laughs> oh, just like the stuff we're drinking today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll write you a check, uh, Dan, uh, for all the wine. No, no, okay, but, uh, and again, we're talking to Daryl Groom, when did you come uh, out here? I forget.
1: So um, in 1989, Penfolds uh, acquired a 50% share of Geyser Peak Winery from Henry Trioni. That's right. And we yeah. were partners with him. Um, so I came out in 19, yeah 1989 on a two-year contract. Um, and here I am 34 years later, and there's certain reasons for that. <laughs>
0: and your daughter... Daughter Ak- Akara Groom is with us. Hello, great to see you and meet you.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, uh, the,
0: the two of you talk about how Kara got into this uh, situation with her dad, uh, who's he all- tricked
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> how.
0: <laughs> Please tell us.
2: Um, I wanted to move to Australia after I graduated college, being that that's where my parents are from. Um, so I was trying to save up money to do that. And... Um, turns out it's really hard to save money when you're living in Sonoma County because there's so much good food and wine. So I was yeah. not doing a good job. And uh, Dad comes to me and said, well, if you want to move there, you know you can go work a wine harvest and you'll earn a lot of money really quickly. In and Australia. then go anywhere you want. Yeah, yeah. in cool. Australia. Cool. So that was the plan. And um, I think he secretly knew that uh, I would get hooked after one harvest. Uh, and I did. So um, fast forward a few years and I did a... Uh, Six harvests across four years, hopping hemispheres um, between Australia, uh, here in California, and England, of all wow. places, and kind of just learned on the job and fell in love with wine production along the way.
0: Very cool. And now we're talking about uh, Groom Wines, right? It's groomwines.com. And then, uh, I believe this, uh, Cara, yours is rah rah wine?
2: Ra Ra Wine Co. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) They're fun wines. (laughs) Explain that. Ra Ra. So the origin of the name is, uh, as you know, I have um, Australian parents and uh, Australians shorten everything, even a four letter name. Um, so, as a kid, my nickname was Raw and often Raw Raw. And uh, when we started this brand in 2018, I was in love with rose and I said, Dad, I want to make rose. I want it to be fun and delicious and I want to call it Raw Raw Rose. Um, that's so, that is how we started. And then, as I've added wines to the mix, they've all been in that same Bright, beautiful, fun style, and Rah-Rah just perfectly describes the wine that's in the bottle.
0: wines.com and groomwines.com. So uh, my
2: website's caramariewines.com. That's the overarching oh, oh, I'm sorry. parent I'm company, the... but the brand's ra ra Wine Co.
0: I, I lost my glasses <laughs> last night in my
1: house. Well, we can make Mike's, you see Mike's going to find them when we get home,
0: but I'm wearing this old pair that is a totally different uh prescription So well, I, drink
1: a rah rah rosé and you'll be able to see white. There, there you go. Then I'll <laughs> yes, I
0: will be able to see. Uh, Dan Burgers here. I hear you're under the weather, and I hear a rumor that your voice is is, is not quite right. My which is great because I want to make fun of you.
3: Yeah, well, my voice is exactly what it's supposed to be for. FM Radio mm. on Acid.
0: <laughs> well, that's what we call ourselves, of course, NPR on Acid. Yes, uh, Dan Berger, my co-host on California Wine Country, is uh, back in. And we're, uh, we'll get back to uh, Cara and, and uh, excuse me, Daryl in a moment. But as we do every Friday on California Wine Country, Dan brings in a wine from his cellar, which has more wine than Bottle Barn. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Not quite, but that's okay. What'd you uh, bring today? Today is a 2018 Chardonnay from uh, Greg Lafallet. It's the old. Is it he was pretty, with us last week. Yeah, I love is, that guy. So this is GLF uh, 2018 Russian River Valley mm-hmm. Chardonnay. That's beautiful. That's a nice wine. He knows what he's doing. So then we can. Save my voice.
0: <laughs> no. Oh, no, I'm going to have you read a bunch of stuff live on the air, just because I want to make fun of you with, right. with the bad voice, uh, Daryl. Other kids that and are any of them interested in the world of wine?
1: Um, they're interested in drinking and of interested in drinking well. If Dad pays, so uh, <laughs> yes, they are. Um but Cara's the. Uh, I have four children: um, three girls and one boy. Kara's uh, the youngest daughter. Um, her oldest daughter lives in LA and is in the airline industry. Her, um, sorry, my yeah, her sister. Her second sister um, is a doctor and lives in Phoenix. Cool. And Kara's the only one that sort of entered the wine industry. I'm in his only of, hope. <laughs> in terms of making wine, and then we have a son, Colby, and some people in the wine industry would. Um, know a little bit about a wine that we had with him for quite a while and um, called Colby Red. Um, yeah, yeah. So we had a wine that raised money for heart uh, charities, um, named after him because he went through back-to-back open heart surgeries. Um, he's the youngest in the family. He's 26 now, living in St. Louis, going to law school. Cool. Um, but his namesake wine, although he wasn't uh, – he was involved in the blending but not making like Cara does, but uh, we were happy – for that wine we raised 2 million dollars for. That's car very charities cool. while we were selling and distributing it. So, but yeah, Kara's the Kara's uh, the winemaker. <laughs> and uh, car- car- and you, brilliant at it.
0: Kara, you were I am assuming born in Sonoma I was County. Born here, yeah, in Sonoma yeah. County. Okay. Very cool. And Kara, talk more about uh, your wines. Ra uh, ra. I, I just love that. R A R A. Ra ra wines talk about uh
2: so <clears throat> as i mentioned before the rah rah really reflects the wines that are inside um they're all about um <clears throat> really fruit forward wines i don't use any oak in any of my winemaking, so everything is un even my red wines wow. um really to uh let let the fruit shine. Right on, um, right Dad on. has a saying um, for his wines: "Let the fruit do the talking." I always heard that growing up, and I really took that concept and ran with it. Um, so I pick um, at lower alcohol levels um, and just try to make really bright, food-friendly wine that's really fruit-forward um, and really. And I bottle it early so it captures that fruit profile.
1: Very cool, Daryl? Yeah, one of the things I love about Cara's wine and I is that. Um, today she's got three wines here, um, a dry Riesling, a Malone de Begogne, and a Rosé. Of course, um, a Rosé. I, yeah. I can't rah, rah, wait. Ra, ra, Rosé. But one of the things that I love about her wines, and, and I told her the other day, it said I've just come to this sort of realization that um, when you look at your wines, you know they're part of one family. So she has a particular stamp and Very a particular cool. style. Yeah. But they're all like your children. They're all individual <clears> as well. <throat> you can tell they belong, but they have their individuality in- and individuality, that's what I love about their Exactly.
0: Making. Okay. And Dan Berger, uh, keep talking so I can make fun of you <laughs> and your and your <laughs> voice. But talk okay. about, uh, you know, you know, Daryl and Cara. and, and be, yeah, I've known the family for a long time. Look, yeah. uh, go for it. Daryl came on the scene in
3: eighty nine, but I didn't taste the wines until ninety. And in 1990, I tasted through some of the wines at Geyser Peak where Darrell was on contract. And these wines were astounding. And it really opened my eyes uh, to a a whole new strategy for winemaking. It was basically the Australian uh, mentality and the educational aspects. And so in 1991, I think it was 91 that I named you winemaker of the year, but I think the most important thing, for the, when I was with the L.A. Times. Right. So that was a, 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 nice That's big a big deal thing for, yeah, for Daryl's career. But of I course. think the more important issue for me personally was that by 1992, I was so committed to the Australian uh, style of uh, wine education and Roseworthy uh, Academy at Adelaide University and all these other uh, places that were doing some fantastic work. Uh, with uh, the Australian Wine Research Institute and so forth. So in 1992, I made my first trip to Australia to learn more about the Australian styles of wine, and I've been to Australia 23 times now.
0: That's a lot of air miles. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He is Dan Berger with a bad cold And uh, I I like your voice You could uh, fill in for
1: me Daryl, when was your first vintage? Uh, 89? No, 90 No, so my very first vintage If I were to count vintages I worked as a cellar hand in 1978 So that was my very first vintage Wow, that's the year I I was born Yeah, (laughs) I can see that (laughs) And the more I drink, you're looking younger (laughs) Um, But one of the things I want to comment on Um, Which Dan just said. Um, There were, I came to California to make wine in 1989 for a two year contract, and I was going to, Penfolds wanted me to go back to Australia after two years. Oh, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were two reasons why I now live in California Mm -hmm. and why my daughter makes wine because of all of that as well. And the two reasons were uh, the family that I work for, the Trioni family that are well known in this region, which is wonderful to work for um and were a reason for staying but it was dan Berger was the other person because i flew back from australia and i picked and back in those days you couldn't fly into san francisco you had to fly into la i picked up the la times after flying back from australia after thinking about going back um to australia in a year and when i saw dan had named me winemaker of the year um, (laughs) because that was big dan was you know the number one guy in the industry back then Um, back then and to get that out he's not now but he was back then (laughs) (laughs) he still is (laughs) (laughs) but i always tell dan you're the reason why you're the reason why i stayed because if you think my wines are that good after two years um i've got some really great stuff that's going to come out that's a great
0: story that's very cool Dan has uh, also named me radio host of the year, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Are hey, you, you okay? Oh, no, you're fine. No, no, you. No, I'm fine too. Okay. Whatever.
3: <laughs> Just without the cough button, it's a trick. <laughs> yes.
0: Now, see, we don't have a cough button, but but when we when we did have a cough button, there was no sneeze button. <laughs> and no... yesterday, I mentioned that because I was sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't turn my mic off because there's no sneeze button. There is a, uh, a cough button. There is. Well, a That's a cough- long story. Right. <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, Dan, talk more about uh, Daryl and Cara and these wines. I will.
3: I will say that there's a family resemblance. Uh, Daryl's influence on American winemaking has been incalculable. Yeah, get deep on that. Well. It comes back to the question of having been trained with people in Australia who really, really understood structure and balance. And the balance and structure pieces of a a wine are critical, in my estimation, to making a great wine. And it doesn't require the very best fruit in the world. If you're making a $10 bottle of wine or $15 bottle of wine, you can make really really good wine as long as you understand the mechanics.
0: Out of inferior fruit? It wouldn't
3: I wouldn't call it inferior. California okay. is a beautiful state for growing all kinds of fine grapes. Right. But Daryl has two assets. Number 1, structure and balance, number 2, blending abilities. Ability to blend these these disparate pieces and put them together into a final blend and it doesn't always mean that it's a blended wine. Sometimes it's a varietal. Maybe it's a a Cabernet Sauvignon with only 75% Cabernet in it, but the 25% that's not Cabernet is what makes the wine. So what Daryl has done is to create a mentality for winemakers all up and down, especially in Sonoma County, but elsewhere where he's touched down. And that means that these people are picking up tips and tricks that are, they were already part of the Australian culture they just weren't brought over here very often.
0: Wow. Daryl, comment on what Dan was just talking about. Man.
1: Yeah, you know, um, you know, in Australia, you were certainly taught about blending. You know, we don't have um, – we have rules and regulations about Blending wine, but not as strict as what you have in Europe, for example. Okay. So, okay. you know, blending became part of the winemaking process at a, at a very young age and getting balance and drinkability um, in your wines is what you wanted to do. Um, and also there were no barriers. You could put a, you know... A, a, a Burgundy variety with a Bordeaux variety. I mean, you, you, you know, you could do whatever you want. I do remember a funny story once when I was a youngster here. It must have been about 1991 and Dan and I were judging in a wine show. Um, I think it was Jerry Mead's competition then and Dan was on one panel and I was on another panel and there were all other panels. And I was making a wine back then called Semchard. Dan would probably shake his head at that stage. Who put Semillon and Chardonnay together? Australians are doing this Semchard. I was so proud of that wine. What is that? It's a blend of Semillon and Chardonnay. And Semillon is... uh, um, Semchard. So we called it Semchard. But it was in the competition, and one panel found it to be the best white wine of their of their grouping oh, But Dan was on another panel And he his best white wine was a Vignole Which I'd never heard of at that stage And in those days in a wine competition Whatever wine you put forward as the best white wine The chair of the panel had to get up And promote their, their particular wine And why they were putting it forward And the chair of the panel that had the Semchard um, Put forth And I'm listening knowing it's my wine Going oh how brilliant and passionate he is about it I'm gonna really show Dan, Dan shot and then Dan came up to speak about his <laughs> vignole. And right when that was happening, a clap of thunder came out, it started raining, it's like oh my God, it's God Himself is talking. And I mean, then there was a vote, and Dan won, and the vignole beat me. Uh, in is the he talking about
0: Vignole? <laughs> no, vignole, V I G
3: N O L E S. Explain, it's, explain it's, that. It's you ava- have explaining
0: to do, uh, Louis. Well, okay, yeah. Well,
3: it's a Native American grape variety, and it is very tropical in aromatics. It smells yeah. like uh, fresh pineapple. Okay. And it's uh, usually made a little bit sweet, uh, but it's grown ex- almost exclusively in Missouri. And so when you smell a Vignol for the first time, you know pretty much what it is. If you've ever smelled it once before, you'll know it. And wow. I had never tasted one this good before. I mean, I'd smelled vignole for 10 years, but I'd never smelled one this good. And I certainly didn't want to take the thunder away from there. I didn't know that was your wine. So. No, no, you didn't. You didn't at
1: all. And I think afterwards you told me the same shot was better. Just is, the that was great, panel.
0: is that great grown or made in uh, wine yeah. country here? No, nobody grows it in
3: California because it's too warm for us. It's it's a very, very cold climate uh, uh, variety, and and it has huge, huge acidity. It's very, very tart. So in order to make it drinkable, you have to have outrageous amounts of acidity. I mean uh, sugar. You have to have lots of sugar. So usually what happens is that you end up with a wine that has like 12% sugar. And then the acid is high enough, so that, that doesn't. And so the wine's really not terribly sweet, but it's yeah, yeah, fascinating wine. And I, I love Daryl's story because it comes down to a, a question that, for example, there are some great varieties that are planted in Australia that we don't have here. And every now and then, like for example, the Semillon that's growing here is it, it's growing. We don't know how to deal with it, and our climate is too warm anyway. But when you've got a warm climate like the Hunter Valley in Australia and you pick it early enough, at like 19 degrees brick, something like <laughs> really, really early, where the alcohol is going to never top 11 percent, that wine is designed to go 10 to 15 years in the bottle. And that's exactly why I fell in love with some of those wines down in Australia. So that I came home after that first trip and said I vowed that I had to go back. And the following year, I went back and... Before you know it, I went <laughs> lots of
0: times. Right. Yeah, and you and Daryl have known each other a long time. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk, and uh, before we take a break, I want to talk to Cara uh, Groom about Ra Ra Wine Company. And what are we tasting right now?
2: Uh, so I poured my dry Riesling for you. Um, <clears throat> so speaking of Australia, when I was living there, uh, I fell in love with Riesling. Um, they just do it right there. And it's harder to come by here in California. Um, So when I came home and wanted to add Riesling to the lineup, um, I wanted to make it in that style that I loved in Australia. And what did your
0: dad have to say about that when you came back? heck yes. (laughs) Heck yes.
2: But I don't know where to find the fruit.
0: (laughs) And Dan, you love Riesling, and I I like Riesling. And this is really beautiful. What year is this? Uh,
2: 2023. So it was just really? bottled at the end of December. Yeah. Wow. It's a new a, release.
1: And a double gold medal winner in yep. the San Francisco Chronicle competition recently. Oh, right on. This oh, yeah. is beautiful.
0: Dan, tell me why I like this Riesling so much. It's <laughs> very rich. Uh, it's got some uh,
3: softness to it. It's mm. got some unbelievable tropical fruit notes. got a which, lot of softness, and I love that in a Riesling. Yeah, drink. this is a really gorgeous wine. It's not, it's not sweet per se, but it's right. soft and rich. But it also has that incredible aromatic uh, thing going on. its I don't know what, how to even describe it, but it's uh, like uh, flower baskets or something like that. <laughs> flower
0: baskets. <he> said. <laughs> uh, Cara, are you the winemaker here for uh, Ra Ra, or do you have a winemaker? Or is it I'm, your dad, or I'm is, the is it me? Maker, I don't know. And we
2: like to call Dad the assistant winemaker. <laughs> uh, so he helps me along the way. Um, and we we make it together. And uh, as I've grown the brand each year, I kind of take the reins more and more. And I, I like to make the wines in in my style. And he's super supportive and helps me. That is every a beautiful
0: style. wine, Gara. Thank you. Really, yeah, it's
3: spectacular. Yeah, it's got loads and loads of fruit.
0: So it's twenty twenty
2: three. It is. All the ones we'll taste today are 2023. And
0: 2023 was pretty recent, wasn't it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it
1: was
0: last no, I don't remember. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think these would be the first 2023 vintage wines that are out in the marketplace. Yeah, they I would come. believe that. Yeah. Cara likes the bottle early and, yeah, capture it while it's got really great fruit. And, and,
0: and uh, where are these wines available? I'll start with you, Cara.
2: Uh, on my website, caramariewines.com. Um, also, locally retail um, at Bottle Barn and Ann Willoughby's if you're local. Um, but my website's a great way, place to buy them. Uh, and actually, I come, came up with a really creative uh, discount code if anyone on the radio hears about these wines and wants to try them. Go for uh, it. The code's radio. And uh, it gives you 10% off through the end of this long weekend. No kidding. Yeah.
0: Very cool. (laughs) Dan, talk about Ra Ra and this particular wine that we're tasting. As
3: as a brand starts out, uh, you start with uh, products that uh, are usually most appealing to the broad American consumer. And... Starting out with Melon de Bourgogne and Riesling is not exactly, <laughs> that's not the first way you go. But but these are really, really delicious wines, and that's a, 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 a it's maybe risky a little bit in terms of authenticity, in ter, terms of uh, what you would otherwise do in, on your first efforts. Sure. But this is really, really high-quality stuff. I mean, it's it's spectacular. Um in in a certain way, you can't anticipate quality of this nature first shot out of the barrel. No barrels intended. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, with Go ahead, Daryl. No, with regard to that too, Cara, you had something you said the other day to Dan and I about what your generation's looking for in wines about you know, unknown varietals from, I'll let you say it in your Um, words.
2: I get tongue tied when I say this, but, um, uh, something I read recently was that, um, people are looking for known varietals in unknown places. And like unknown that. varietals yeah. in known places, no, so that's they're very looking good. for something it they've reminds never. Reminds me of
0: this radio show, yeah.
2: <laughs> kind of the same thing. So they're looking for something they've never heard of in a place they know, or vice versa. Yeah. Um, so there's a little known and a little unknown. That's very so people cool. are looking to kind of expand their horizons a little bit in wine.
0: And again, the website for Cara, go ahead.
2: CaraMarieWines.com. Cara with a K.
0: K A R A. Correct. Thus the rara. Yep, <laughs> Cara Marie, which is obviously your middle name. Yep, cool. Uh, check out those, and uh, we're checking out these right now. What is this one?
2: So uh, I just poured for you the <laughs> uh, my 2023 Malone Day uh, uh You might uh, say, "What's Malone?"
0: <laughs> I don't know anything you just said. You might have been speaking in another language, but run it down.
2: Uh, So Malone de Bourgogne is a varietal I also had never heard of pretty much before I started working with it. And the opportunity came along to... um Start working with it this year, and I uh, did a little more research and in the end couldn't pass it up. So it's a a classic seafood wine in France. It's called Muscadet. Uh, We can't call it that here, so uh, we call it by its varietal name, which is Malone or Malone de Bourgogne.
0: It's delicious. Absolutely. Thank you. A little too sweet for the old man here, but uh, let me go to the other old man. In in fact, the older man. uh, Why do I like this? Well, first of all, I think the aromatics are
3: unbelievable. They are. They are Way over the top. It's it's hard to imagine anybody capturing this kind of aromatic in this variety. This variety is used as a blending grape, ra- rarely used by itself. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So when it's used as a blending grape, they're trying to eliminate some of that tropical fruit note. And in this case... Kara decided to make sure that this wine has the tropical fruit, and it does. It's got loads of it. And what's amazing about it is that it finishes up tasting soft, and yet it's got plenty of good acidity. To I uh, it. I totally with fruit, you know. agree, because,
0: man, uh, first taste on my palate, it seemed a little uh, too sweet. But now, the end, it's not letting me leave.
2: If and you, I love it, that. I mean, this is... You, can,
0: if you had... And most people would not
3: try this, but I think it would work. If you had this with lobster... Yes.
0: <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Well, that's, This would work great with lobster. Uh, this this
2: varietal is a, a classic seafood wine, yeah. um, and it's nice and dry. So this one's fermented to dryness, so there's actually no uh, residual sugar. So that oh, fruit man. impression you're getting is really just from those tropical fruit yeah. characteristics. And probably uh,
1: from the texture of the wine. Yeah. Mike, and this, come, this Mike, come, Mike,
0: will you go down to the cellar and bring up some lobsters? All right.
1: Thank you. <laughs> and this grape variety is pretty <laughs> rare in California, and Cara had the opportunity to um, probably be the biggest grower of this variety with... Four yeah, where did you find this? <laughs> um,
2: so I source this from Robert Young Vineyards. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they grow 1.9 acres of Malone de Burgonia, and that makes up half of the Malone in the north coast.
0: Wow.
3: So Dan, it's a
2: really rare varietal.
0: Dan, talk about uh, a little more about this, uh, this grape and this varietal. It's
3: used as a blending grape for white Bordeaux blends, which are typically made from Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc. Makes and then, sense. It's, and yeah. then they add about 10 or 15% of Milan to uh, the variety, Milan de Bourgogne. So they, they like to have a little bit of uh, sort of an a, a, a aromatic touch. But they don't want it to overpower the earthy notes of the Sauvignon block and the Sémillon. And Daryl, t- talk a little bit about that. That's something that's out of my realm of knowledge. The Sémillon in, in in white Bordeaux.
1: As to what it yeah. brings to, yeah. I don't know so much in white Bordeaux, but I know my Sémillons in Australia sort of add um, a structural component to the wine. Um, they generally quite. Um, they can be quite full in flavor if they're picked on the riper side um, which a lot of semillons do um, but they don't semillon doesn't have a lot of uh, overt varietal character it's probably more And for does the structure.
3: The Milan, uh, used in bordeaux is that something that has uh, any impact on the wine
1: I don't have much knowledge with Malone in, in being used in bordeaux yeah in bordeaux yeah oh, honestly well, I don't uh, this is this variety is becoming very new to me ever since Cara introduced me Cara, to it, but I I have fallen in love wonderful with Wonderful wine it. again. Well, thank you. Did we talk enough about this, Dan?
0: No, we haven't talked about it. No, I'll we'll talk about it because it's lovely.
3: It's spectacular. It has a uh, personality of Grenache, which mm. is, uh, in this case, it has <laughs> similar characteristics to the fresh fruit. It was obviously mm. not. Uh, it didn't see very much skin contact at all because there's no real Nor do I. red character. <laughs> what I like about it is that it's really true to its, its character.
0: Yeah, and I explain the character and why it's so true. Uh, it,
3: it basically has... I think Grenache is probably the best red grape to make rosé from. Okay. okay, I think that's where you start. I think the best red wine grape to make rosé out of is, is is Grenache. Really? Yes, I believe so. Cool. And well, I don't
1: know how, how you feel about Daryl. Oh, I was going to let Kara answer because her eyes lit up. <laughs> <laughs> because and we're yes, on I the agree. same page. <laughs> I think it's all in the family.
2: Dan. Yeah. We agree Let Kara Ca- <laughs> talk
1: about it. this. Then.
2: Uh, so, the Rose of Grenache uh, is really my flagship wine. I have been uh, so I started the brand with a hundred cases of rose and it has been Grenache since the get go. Um, I think it just makes the most beautiful rose wine. Um, and I source this from the Saini family in uh, Dry Creek Vineyards. Oh, cool. um, Dry Creek Valley, sorry. Yeah. Um, and I have been sourcing it from them since since the beginning. Uh, and I actually work for them as well, so it's a really fun little family well, story. <laughs>
0: it's totally lovely, Dan. And and talk about the color, because it's not well, it's your cop- typical rosé color. It's sort of coppery
3: yeah, yeah. color. It has that classic... Uh, Uh, Van Gris character that you get out of uh, uh, French uh, rosés from the south of France, from, say, uh, Provence. The Provence rosés typically have, mostly have Grenache as their starting point. Every now and then you find one that has a little bit of uh, perhaps rosé, a Syrah in it, but The more Syrah you put into a Grenache Rosé, the less the wine responds as a Grenache Rosé. It really has to be primarily Grenache. Oh, get deeper into that. Well, when you look on the back label of a bottle of Provence Rosé, sometimes it tells you the percentages. Mm. And when it it tells you that it's 90% Grenache or 80% Grenache, boy, that's a reliable glass of wine. If it says it's 30% Grenache and 30% Syrah, you should go no. I don't want that. Well, there are some that are very good. Okay. I, I'm not going right. to complain about it, but I, I really think the Grenache, as this is 100%. That's legitimate.
0: It's authentic. I like that. I like both words, legitimate and authentic. Cara, <laughs> yeah. talk more about this wine. It's, it's lovely.
2: Thank you. It is uh, legitimate and authentic. So, yeah, as I mentioned, um, (laughs) I've been in love with Grenache, uh, rosé of Grenache, since the beginning. Um, So it's really what I always wanted to work with. And uh, I make it without any oak, really light skin contact. So it's got this really beautiful pink color. Um, And what I love most about this pink color is it's kind of got this, like, pinky purpley undertone to it. Yeah. um, And just has beautiful watermelon fruit. I say watermelon Jolly Rancher. I'm hearing Um, (laughs) what – I'm
0: feeling watermelon in this. Yes. Yes.
2: Um, but it's nice. It's really bone dry. So it's just nice, oh, easy it's, drinking. It's and um, my favorite thing about this year's rose is that it uh, clocks in at 11.5% alcohol. Um, so I like lower alcohol wines. Um, and this is kind of just the uh, perfect example of that.
0: Daryl Groom, Cara's uh, father, talk about this wine.
1: I absolutely love this wine. And if, I know you uh, do. People. Um, want to go to Cara's website and have a look and see what this looks like with the label and the colour it is the most prettiest bottle of wine that you could ever come across um, like Cara said it's a really light watermelon colour but you smell the watermelon on there we had a lot of fun making this wine initially um, it was a little bit hard because 2023 the grapes just stalled and Cara and I were going out to the vineyard checking when do we pick, when do we pick, and we made the call that we should pick it, and that's why it came in at 11.5%. Um, talked a lot about the acidity of the wine and where it should be, but uh, you know, if you were to design what wine you want to make and get it 100% perfect. Kara did Yeah, you did, my dear. I, and it was just wine of the week in the Press Democrat last week um, yep. blew the field away. Oh um, cool. So Kara's pretty picture was in the in the paper <laughs> and Dad was very proud again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: again, Cara, Kara K A R A Kara Marie yep. Wines dot
2: Correct, <laughs> And
0: some of your stuff is available at Bottle Barn and...
2: Bottle Barn and Willoughby's retail Yeah, luckily. Willoughby's. Yep. Well, we love Willoughby's. Well, yeah, I sure and do we, too.
0: of course, love Bottle Barn. Uh, Daryl, any other thoughts just on uh, your wines and Cara's wine and the family and everything that's going on?
1: Yeah, so we're going to try a Zinfandel from Australia after Ooh. this, which is the hat that I wear. So I still make our wines from Australia. Um, in fact, I'll be going back there in three weeks' time to kick the harvest off. So I sort of do a harvest here and then a harvest down there. Um, but the really fun thing is that, you know, I get to make these wines in Australia and then harvest time I get to work with my daughter and go in every day and taste the wines and have That's a lot so of fun. Cool. So it's very much a, so cool. a family affair. Um, and again, all her brothers and sisters sort of uh, support her, love drinking her wine, and they mostly love it when they get it for free. Um, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> but you know, um, I stumbled into winemaking somewhat, um, being a winemaker for 40-something years, and it's brought me... A wonderful career and wonderful friendships, and it's a product you can travel all over the world or go sure. anywhere, and everyone wants to talk about wine and they have some knowledge, and it just makes me so happy. So, to have my daughter actually making wines, um, you know, as a father you couldn't ask for. Oh. A- a lot more. Hell so. yes, man. <laughs> you
0: are obviously... And then when they're so
1: good and they all gold medal winners. Like, you are, are so proud them. and you should be,
0: Cara.
2: Am I the favorite child yet? <laughs>
0: uh, again, Cara Marie... dot
2: Cara Marie Wines.com.
0: Wines.com. Check um, that out. And
2: if you want a little discount, the code's RADIO. If you need help spelling that, that's R-A-D-I-O. And
0: go to Cara <laughs> Marie Wines.com and put in radio. Yep. And you'll get a discount.
2: Sure will. Uh...
0: Man, this rosé. Dan, tell me about this
2: more. Well, the
0: secret, I think, is the fact
3: that when it goes, your first sip, you think it's going to be sweet. But in the aftertaste, it's dry. You're right. So it gives you everything that you want. It gives you the richness up front, but then it gives you the structure and the balance that are necessary to make it pair with food. And in this case, I would think uh, steak tartare... Something really simple with not a lot of f- intense flavors because you want the wine to be a nom- uh, the, the, the number one bottle in the, in the, on the table. You want it to be the feature, the star of the, of the show. Right so on. if the Grenache shows up as the star of the show, then the food has to be secondary, and that's why you don't want something that's really aromatic. I, I tend to do that.
0: For, no, um, but well put, my friend. Even. Yeah.
2: And now I want steak tartare.
0: Yeah, well. Mike. See, will I'm you having go, for
2: dinner. Well, Mike, go <laughs> down <laughs> to the
0: cellar tar-tar. and you oh, can tuna
2: tartare. Any tartare.
0: You can put the lobster away and bring up some steak tartare. <laughs>
2: no, I tell you, I won't do
0: it. That's <laughs> <laughs> my director. This is so cool, and it's great to see Daryl Groom again, and uh, an honor to meet Cara, uh, his daughter. And again, caramariewines.com. What else is coming up? Zinfandel right in front of you.
1: Yeah, I just poured you a, a glass of a very unique wine, a Whoa. Zinfandel from Australia. Australia. Which is very unique. So, oh, the uh, nose is amazing. I know. It's, uh, oh, it's a really interesting jam. wine. Um, so, Groom Wines, um, wow. which is what my wife and I do, we make three, just three wines. We make a Sauvignon Blanc from Australia, from an area called the Adelaide Hills, um, and the flagship wine of all of Australia, and what I grew up making with Penfolds and Penfolds Grange, you knew most about, is a great variety that everybody knows called Shiraz. Sure. Um, so, we make a Shiraz, a really fantastic I love Shiraz. Shiraz. Um, but uh, we decided... Uh, 20 years ago with my experience in California that maybe we should pioneer Zinfandel in Australia. So uh, this evening I bought in a bottle of our uh, uh, Bushblock Zinfandel from 2020 Vintage.
0: Wow. And Dan, talk about Zin and Australia since you've been there a hundred times. Yeah, it's very,
3: very rare to see
0: Zinfandel planted
3: in um, Australia because they, they don't really the industry is oh. if if they if the local consumer was a little bit more adventuresome... here or there over over there if over the local there, yeah. australian consumer was okay, a little more gotcha. adventuresome, Zinfandel would be on the on the radar uh right now everybody is so keen to have great uh shiraz to have great cabernet from say cunaware or to have great pinot noir from Say Northern Victoria or uh, uh, Mornington Peninsula, various places like that. The problem with the Australian consumer typically is that they're not likely to want. To, they're they're not going to ask for Zinfandel.
0: And why are they not seemingly aware? Well, of it's a little Zinfandel. bit like which
3: came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. First of all, there's not any. I other believe the planted. egg.
0: Let's <laughs> write that down, Mike. I'm going on the record saying the egg, okay <laughs> if, since there's no
3: Zinfandel planted to speak of, nobody would have any particular interest in it in it to gotcha. begin with. yeah, yeah, but even if it were planted, they would then say, oh, what what's that?" So they would really
0: kind of be mystic- mystified. Which by I it. say every day when I walk in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what the hell's that? I don't know these people. Uh, but, but and Daryl, talk about the Zin, the yeah. Australian. So Dan's Zin. a Dan's,
1: a, Dan's ride right with with what he says. So when we decided to plant Zinfandel in Australia, we planted eight acres, which is a small planting. Very we small. became the second biggest Zinfandel grower in Australia eight, eight with acres. eight acres. Wow. Um, Not sure where we sit now, but we're still up there pretty well. Um, So this came about when I first came to California, um, starting to get to know grapes in Dry Creek Valley. Gotcha. Um, I fell in love with Zinfandel. It reminded me of Shiraz from Australia. Gotcha. But what more so, people who loved Zinfandel, was so passionate about it, mm-hmm. as Australians are that love Shiraz. So there were so many similarities. Gotcha. So I started to get to know Zinfandel a little bit more. And a big turning point was I judged in Dan Berger's wine competition in an area called Riverside, and I got to know um, a guy called Don Galliano, a winemaker down in Cucamonga, and Cucamonga one of my has, favorite
0: names uh, of any place <laughs> in California. I just I I
1: wake up sometimes and just go, "Mike,
0: Cucamonga." And he goes, oh, well, go, there, "Go back to sleep.
1: I I laughed when I first heard about it, but one of the things about Cucamonga with respect to mm. wine that I it was some of the first plantings of Zinfandel in all of the United States. Wow. And I would go down with Don Galliano, and he would take me to these 110-year-old vines. Lopez Ranch, which Carol Shelton makes wine out of. Um, D'Ambrogio Ranch, which we started making wine out of. <laughs> um, We went around in Don Galliano's old Cadillac, low to the ground, and we were spinning wheels because Don was a bit of a character, um, (laughs) spinning (laughs) wheels through these sandy vineyards with these tiny little vines planted 110 years ago, low to the ground. Wow. And every time I'm there, besides laughing and having a glass of wine, it was, this reminds me of my old Penfolds Grange vineyards. um, Back in In Calinda Block 3 and and the Cabernet from Penfolds Block 42. and, And then it became... You know what? If they're growing Zinfandel in these soils exactly like we've got in Australia, why can't we? Yeah, exactly. Dan, Um,
0: this Zinfandel, and I'm a Zin fan, this is luxurious, man. This is amazing. It's not only luxurious, but it also
3: has the personality of the grape variety. This is rare in California. And it's
0: Australian.
3: Well, it's Australian, but it's rare in California because we typically have, over the last 20 years or so, we've moved riper and riper and riper to get 15%, 16%, 16. 16.5% alcohol. And the problem with that is that the higher alcohols mask flavor. The alcohol, the intense alcohols mask the flavor of the grape. This one is like fourteen five, and it's no more than
1: that. Maybe for a zen, uh, yeah. Daryl. Yeah, it's for 14, fourteen five. Fourteen five percent. Yeah, that's, uh, that's we struggle to ripen it properly. But yeah. That's not no, huge. but it does ripen properly, and it's really at that. It's really plush and full, but it still has some elegance. I here. couldn't
0: agree yeah. more, and I'm a little high now that I've tasted. This. <laughs> but it's well, fine. It, it is California wine country with Dan Berger, of course. And our guest today, Daryl Groom and his daughter, Cara Groom. It's caramariewines.com. You must check it out and go to groomwines.com. Uh, Daryl, uh, great to see you again. Cara, honored to meet you and your wines are amazing. All Thank of you.
2: you.
3: <laughs> Last thoughts, Dan? Fabulous wines from Groom, the, uh, the 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 red wine is equivalent to Grange, it sells for $38, go buy that wine, that is an incredible wine, yeah, that's, right. that's a bargain in a century. And Cara's,
1: Cara's wines are all under $30 too, a bottle, yeah. so They're beautiful. fantastic yeah. bargains.
0: Cara... Uh, MarieWines.com. GroomWines.com. You guys, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And Daryl, good to see you again.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? We Australians are boomerangs, so we'll be back. Okay.
0: (laughs) Could Could you help me, please? Correction, please. The train scheduled to stop at Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga will only go to Anaheim and Azusa. Cucamonga was moved to make room
2: for the freeway.